Hi, listeners. Welcome to Grief Out Loud. Remember the last time you tried to talk about grief and suddenly everybody left the room? Grief Out Loud is opening up this often avoided conversation because grief is hard enough without having to go through it alone. We bring you a mix of personal stories, tips for supporting children, teens, and yourself, and interviews with professionals in the grief world. Platitude and cliche-free, we promise. Grief Out Loud is hosted by me, Jana DeCristofero, and produced by Dougie Center, the National Grief Center for Children and Families in Portland, Oregon. When you think of summer camp, what comes to mind? S'mores? Bunk beds? Campfire songs? Maybe matching t-shirts and some less-than-appetizing cafeteria food? These are all familiar and expected elements at a sleepaway camp. But for some kids and teens, their camp experience includes tissues, talking about hard things, sharing memories, and learning new ways to honor the people in their lives who have died. You might not think that summer camp and grief go together, but they actually do. There are tons of day, weekend, and week-long camps geared towards kids and teens who are grieving a death. Experience Camps is one of these. They offer five-night, six-day camps for children and teens who have had a parent, sibling, or primary caregiver die. Brie Overton is the chief clinical officer for Experience Camps. She first got involved in camps for children who are grieving 13 years ago, and she quickly discovered a passion not only for working with those in grief, but for doing so in the camp setting. Brie is a licensed professional counselor and a doctoral candidate at the University of Missouri-St. Louis in the Department of Counseling and Family Therapy. I was never a camp kid. I went once, and I spent the whole week wishing I was back home. Growing up, it seemed clear who was a camp kid and who wasn't. Of course, that was my limited view and does not apply universally. But in my conversation with Brie, it was very clear how much she loves camp and what it can mean for children and teens in grief. Just like in the grief peer support groups at Dougie Center, Experience Camps provides connection, community, understanding, and a chance to be with others who really get what you're going through. Something I think we could all benefit from, especially when we're grieving. Okay, here's my conversation with Bree Overton, Chief Clinical Officer for Experience Camps. Bree, thank you so much for being part of Grief Out Loud today. I'm looking forward to talking with you and learning more about Experience Camps today. Thank you so much for this opportunity to be here and to share more information about Experience Camps and to talk a little bit about teens. Great. Well, let's start there. Give us an overview of Experience Camps for listeners who aren't familiar with you. Yeah, Experience Camps is a nonprofit organization. Um, We're a series of camps. We have five locations, 10 camps, um, or overnight camp. And we're for kids who have experienced the death of a parent, a sibling, or a caregiver. Our kiddos that come to us are between the grades of fourth and 12th grade. And each of our weeks at camp is an entire overnight week. And our kids do things just like they would do at regular, like at a regular camp. Um, There's fun things and, you know, swimming and and lots of things that they do outside. Um, One of the things that that we do offer as well is um, a clinical program. So our camp is clinically informed. We have an entire clinical program that all of our campers um, participate in while they're at camp. So we have a series of campfires that our our campers participate in, as well as sharing circles and bereavement activities that they participate in throughout the week with their bunks. 
And, you know, people ask me this question all the time of like, how did you get into this work? And it must have been because you had some personal experience with grief. And I know that's not true for everyone in the field, but Mm -hmm. sometimes it is. And just wondering, like, what were your personal experiences with grief growing up? Yeah, I I do get that question a lot. Um, So when I was in the fourth grade, uh, my cousin who was in the fifth grade died suddenly. Um, And so my experience with death was I would say very young at an early age um, of watching her parents grieve, her siblings grieve, also grief of my own because we were raised as sisters. And so that grief was was huge, but we're from a very small community um, and we had lots and lots of family support, community support. And whenever I wanted to talk, her name's Destiny. Whenever I wanted to talk about Destiny, I could talk about Destiny. Um, I could remember like memories and, and different things like that. So I was always encouraged from an early age to just be able to talk about it and to talk through it. Um, and then a series of events, a series of deaths throughout high school. Um, in my 20s, all four of my grandparents dying. And so having all of that experience um, and just being able to like be able to support family members and support friends who were grieving just kind of came natural to me. I know that sounds cliche, but it was just like, no, this is something that we talk about, right? And this is something that we don't want to hide and that we don't want to shy away from, but we really want to be able to express ourselves and to explore our grief. Um, And so, yeah, that's for me, that's how it started out. And then it just kind of came into, I studied thanatology and then I went and got a, a, a degree in clinical mental health counseling and became a grief counselor and started doing camps um, about 13 years ago with different organizations. Um, And camp is just something that's always been a part of my life, Um, being able to work with kiddos and help them, especially throughout and and during their grief journey. So one of the things I think about sometimes is we grow up learning what we learn about grief, whether it's by Mm -hmm. watching other people in our lives deal with grief, our own lived experience of grief. And then sometimes when we go into more formal education settings and we learn about grief, sometimes what we're learning is not matching with what we experienced. And just wondering for you, as you've, you know, you're still learning and growing in your PhD program around grief and wondering like, what have you run into in the formal grief education world that either matches or doesn't match with what you know to be true about grief from your own experience and from, you know, being part of camps for so many years? Yeah, you know, a lot of things that I heard um, when, when people have tried to reach out and help, it's always, you must be in this stage of grief or there's, so it's like around the stages of grief, right? Like there's this stage and there's this stage and you have to pass this and then pass this and pass this. And, you know, that's not, that's not true, right? Like those, those stages of grief, we find our feelings, right? And things that we experience when we're dealing with our own grief. And so, yeah, all of those things are there. Um, but grief is more of this life cycle and this life journey and, and there are twists and there are turns and there are ups and there are downs. Um, there are good days and bad days. And it's, you know, how am I processing and how, how am I moving through my grief as opposed to like, let me set this aside <laughs> and do some other things. You know, another thing is that um, because I do study grief and because I am a therapist that, that specializes in grief, I think a lot of people assume and have told me that. You, you must be exempt, right? You, you must like when someone dies in your life, you don't have the same feelings or you don't have the same reactions. And that's just, that's not true. Like I'm still human. I'm still a person. <laughs> um, and, and that grief still definitely exists. So if someone, you know, is sick or they're hurting or 
there's a tragedy or someone dies, like I can, I still experience that as well. And yeah, I know the things that I should be doing, but sometimes like sitting in your grief and sitting in that sadness or whatever that feeling is that comes up is, is something you know, that we all, that we all do, we all work through it in our own way. Um, and my hope is that I'm modeling <laughs> how to be able to work through it, even on my worst days, right? Like, it's okay for me to have a bad day. <laughs> That's okay. That's a good reminder. It's hard yeah. sometimes, I think, in the professional role to give, give ourselves as much space as we try to give others in their grief. And super interesting to that idea that if you if you just learn something enough and you know it really well then somehow you are exempt from it which to me it almost seems like it would be the opposite like the more you right. know it the more you recognize it and you're like oh that's grief oh that's grief oh that's grief exactly. too exactly <laughs> so true <laughs> and then in your role as chief clinical officer for experience camps what have you learned from the children and the teens that you've supported about grief, what it looks like in kids and teens, what they're needing in their grief. What have they taught you? Yeah, you know, this last year, I think for all of us has been a huge learning curve and a huge learning experience. Um, Last summer, we were not able to have our camps in person. And this summer, we will have our camps in person. But one of the, you know, one of the things that I've learned is that that connection, whether our camp is one week, like we're seeing your kiddo for one week, and then they go away for one, or I'm sorry, for an entire year and come back the next year. That connection within that week is so, so important um, to our kids, to our teenagers, to our caregivers. Um, they have definitely felt that shift of not being in person last year. And what we did last year was offered um, a virtual component called X Camps at Home, which was really fun. And the kids really loved it. And we had a really great time but it doesn't compare to being in person. Like our kids really missed um, being in person. And I know all of our staff and all of our our volunteers really miss being in person too. And I've just learned so much from them. Like being in person is important. Having that connection is important. Um, Just knowing, right? That like our our volunteers and our staff are there for them. Um, So we've been doing lots of things throughout the year to stay connected. And while all of these things have been virtual, like our kids have been, showing up and being present and, you know, they'll send messages or emails or texts and and through their caregivers saying like, we can't wait for next summer. And we hope that we have camp, which just tells me that like the magic of camp exists and it's there. And and our kids are really, really, they were really missing it and they're yearning for, for it to to get back to, you know, just to get back to being at camp and in person. What are some of the grief related camp activities that you're only able to do in person that you couldn't recreate virtually over this last year? Yeah. So thinking about some of the things that we do in person, it's that those social components, right? So we can do, you know, virtually almost anything online, um, but it's having that those people and your, your bunk mates and your cabin counselors with you in a circle when you're, you're leaning on each other and you're sharing with each other, those pieces, those in-person pieces are so crucial and so important and special to their process. And like I said, lots of activities you can do virtually, but it's that social piece that's really missing. And our virtual camp um, was for five days, but just shortened days, right? And there were lots of things that were recorded and, and our kids were able to participate in those things. But I think it's it's that in-person piece um, that was really missing for our kids and for us. When I think about kids who've had someone in their life die, 
and then they're getting ready to go away for a week from the caregivers that they live with now. Mm -hmm. I think about some of that increased concern and fear and worry about the safety of the people that those kids and teens care about and that being away from those primary caregivers could bring up some fear and worry and just wondering like what are what are some of the common concerns you hear from kids and teens when they're getting ready to go to camp mm-hmm. that's a big one especially for our new campers right no matter the age um of knowing, you know, if it's a two parent household or it was a one parent household or whatever that may look like of I'm actually leaving this person that takes care of me. Right. And I'm coming to this camp because I'm here to talk about another person in my life that was really special that died. What if something happens to this person while I'm gone, which is huge. Um, each of our camps has clinical director and clinicians. All of our clinicians are therapists, social workers outside of camp. Our clinical directors do a really good job of reaching out to families, helping them work through um, and really problem solve and brainstorm through some of the ways that their kids are feeling, how to help them feel comfortable when they're coming to camp. Um, Some of the other things that come up, it's just, I'm leaving everyone that I know and everything that I know, and I'm coming to this camp and I have to talk about the thing that I don't want to talk about, or I have to talk about the thing that I don't feel comfortable talking about when I'm outside of camp or when I'm at home. So kids don't want to be known as the kid whose mom died or the kid whose dad died. And when you come to camp, all of our kids have have some sort of, they have an experience of experiencing that death of whether it's that parent or it's a sibling um, or the person that that's, that is taking care of them. And so that's the, the one thing that binds all of them together. And so it's almost like this weight lifted because I know that everyone else here has had a similar experience and I can really just be myself and our kids are encouraged to just be them and to bring whatever it is they wanna bring, right? Let's talk about it. Let's work through this together. But those are some of the big things that come up for our campers at camp, like just thinking about coming to camp. And you think about this past year and think about kids have, you know, they've been at home for a year or they haven't been outside of their home or the people that they've come in contact with probably have been their caregivers um, or immediate family members, but they haven't been going to school. Um, They haven't had their social outings outside of home. And so everything has happened at home. And so this year it's, how are we preparing our kiddos for this week away from home where they've been so comfortable and where they have been. Um, And we're asking them to, to come to camp and not bring their electronics. So, right. Like (laughs) we've been doing everything virtually. Um, They've probably like, had an increase in like social media presence and doing TikToks and different things like that. And so we're asking you to leave all of that behind and leaving that at home to come here in person (laughs) at camp with us. Um, And so we're doing a lot of things to help prepare our caregivers and our campers and also our volunteers um, for what they may expect when, when their kid is with us or when, you know, our campers are with us for that week. And then how about for parents and caregivers? Like what are their fears and concerns in sending their kids to camp? Yeah, you know, my kid hasn't been around anyone else except for me. Um, this is the first time that they're going to be away from me. Um, what what are the things that you're gonna, going to talk about? Um, how do I prepare them to come to camp? And then when they come home from camp, like, what should I say? How do I ask them about it? Like, how do I respect their privacy? And how do I respect what they've learned and what they've experienced this week 
and how do I balance that with like, I really want to know how that week was and then what you've been doing and um, let's talk about it. You know, it's trying to help them balance out how to prepare them, prepare them for coming to camp. But then also when you pick them up, what, what is that, that day, that drive home like, or those weeks after camp, um, what will the, what changes are they going to experience? What is that going to look like? What are you all talking about? What are you all doing? <laughs> Different things like that. So they, lots of questions, just like, I want to make sure my kiddo is going to be safe. And I want to make sure, um, you know, we have kids that may have issues like when they're in person school, like if it's bullying or different things like that. And I want to make sure that I'm not sending my kid into an environment that is not safe for them. Really being able to just talk to parents through those different situations or through like helping them ease their minds that camp is a safe place. Um, these are the things that we have in place to make sure that all of our campers are experiencing camp and that they're having a good time um, and that they're able to process the things that they really want to process. And it's not one of those things where we're trying to pull stuff out of them or, or pulling them to be able to talk about their grief, but really just being able to facilitate a space where they feel safe and comfortable to talk about whatever it is that's on their mind. And so it's not really separate from camp, but maybe camp and in addition to camp for listeners out there who are just wondering like, okay, what do kids and teens in grief need in general? Like what are some tips you might have for parents, caregivers, teachers, school counselors uh, when they've got kids in grief in their lives? Yeah. Um, the first thing that comes to mind for me is to, to listen, to be creative not only listening, but like really listening and being able to be prepared for me for what you may hear, right? So if you are saying, I want to be a safe person for you, I want you to be able to come to me with anything, the teens hear that. They may not come to you directly. They may not come to you right after you say that. But if you're saying, I'm here for you, I'm holding this space for you, I want to be able to, to work through um, and to talk to you about different things they're eventually going to take you up on that. There's a lot of patience involved, right? It's, it's being able to hold that space for them and allowing them to move in their own pace, right? So it may be, you know, if an adult comes to me and then they say, I want to talk and I'm there for them, we may have a conversation right then and there. With teens and kids, it looks a little different. It may not be a conversation. It may, we may be texting back and forth or we may be emailing each other back and forth. We may be doing some type of activity that allows them to kind of feel comfortable and relax and then to start to talk. Um, but I'd say being able to listen, being patient, um, being able to receive whatever it is that they say without feeling like you have to intervene or to correct what it is that they're saying or, no, 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 you don't really mean that. No, they really do mean that. <laughs> they really want you to hear, right? They want you to hear what it is they're saying without judgment. So I'd say being able to to have this open space and to hold this space that's free of judgment is huge. And a lot of times I remind my kids that this is a judgment-free zone. We can talk about whatever it is that you want to talk about. And I want to be able to help you talk through, write through, work through, whatever this looks like. Um, but this is your space. And I want you to use this space in a way that works best for you. Not in a way that works best for me. You know, sometimes we have kids or teens that want to to appease and they want to say things that the adult wants to hear as opposed to, you know, this is the raw truth and this, <laughs> these are the things that are going on and this is what I really want to talk about and this is what I want you to know. And sometimes it's having that conversation with caregivers on, these are the things that you may hear. 
Um, a lot of times I tell my supervisees, you have to fix your face, right? Like, oh, <laughs> if a teen sees you make a face like that, or, you know, if, if something that you says that something that you say sounds judgmental, they may not give you as much information next time. They may not want to continue that conversation because now you've judged them or now you've, you've made them feel as if whatever they're saying isn't right or there's something wrong with that. Uh, but being able to really just hear what it is that they're saying and, and holding that space and helping them work through it and talk through it, it works wonders. So Bri, I want to ask you this question that people love to ask me. And I never know how to answer it. So anytime there's somebody who works in a professional capacity with kids and teens who are grieving on the show, I always want to hear what they have to say, because I'm looking for a better answer than what I stumble my way through. And the question is, how do I know if this is normal teen behavior or if it's grieving teen behavior? And I'm guessing you get that question a lot, but I get that question all the time. So much, much, (laughs) right? And it's situational and it depends on the kid. And there's so many factors so many factors. And, and you're, you asked me that question and I'm like, yep, I'm going to answer it probably the same way. <laughs> but there's so many things, you know, and it's like being able to hold that space for the teen. Or if I'm listening to the caregiver and the caregiver is saying, these are the things that are happening. These are the things that are going on. Help me. Is this grief? Is this developmental? Is it because like they're going from 12 to being 13 or 17, 18? Um, what is happening? What are the things that are going on? And it's really like, let's kind of hone in on the behaviors and the things that are happening and the things that are going on. And let's, let's ask the team, let's talk about it. Let's figure out, is this something that they need extra support for? Is this grief? And, and are the ways that we're working through this really working for the team? Um, It's a tough question to answer. Um, because there's no blanket. I think for all things grief, there's really no blanket answer. Um, it's really situational and depends on that, that, that teen or that kid. Thank you. I'm going to roll that into my standard answer, which is usually asking the adult, like, what would you be doing different in response to this behavior you're seeing? If you knew it was grief mm-hmm. solidly, if you were like, this is grief, this is normal teen behavior. What's going to change about how you're responding? Because I feel like that's really yeah. where the, the movement needs to happen and recognizing exactly. that you have a teen who's grieving. However, it might be really helpful to engage in more of an in-depth conversation with the teen about mm-hmm. this behavior or whatever that the, the parent or caregiver is, is struggling with. So thank you for adding another layer of nuance to my thank answer. It's going to now be 20 minutes long. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so... I mean, I think it's come through pretty clearly in our whole conversation of how excited it seems like you get talking about camp and how much you love camp and love working with these kids and these teens. But what are a few things that you really love specifically about being part of experience camps? My goodness, all the things that you just said, right? And it, in addition to that, um, the transformations, being able to be a part of the magic that happens at camp. So we say each week of camp is the best week ever. And it rings so true. There's so many people that put so much into every single week, every single one of our weeks of camp um, from our volunteers and our staff members and our clinicians, our clinical directors, like everyone has a piece in helping facilitate this week of camp. And our campers are the big piece, right? Our caregivers also have a lot to do with this week and and helping our campers feel successful at camp. Um, But it's, it's, 
being able to witness the transformations that happen at camp. So, you know, from the new campers that may be a little shy to get off the bus or maybe a little concerned or have some worries when they get there to see them in midweek. And now they may be upset or crying for a different reason. It's not because I don't want to get off the bus. Now it's like, in two days, I have to get back on the bus to go home. Um, And so being able to like, be a witness to seeing them change at camp. Um, And just, you know, if it's learning a new coping skill, if it's connecting with a new person, if it's saying their dad's name out loud um, and and mom is saying, she never talks about him, right? She doesn't say his name. It's like he never existed. And then this kiddo comes to camp and it's like, wow, wow, you needed this space and you needed to be here and you needed to be around other kids who got it and other adults who get it. And you needed this space to be able to work through whatever it was that you needed to work through to be able to now say your dad's name and, and to, and to speak, you know, about memories and different things that you remember, but it's really being a part of that transformation, like being a small piece of everything that happens and everything that goes into camp and just being there watching the kids play and have fun, being together and being with other kids who get it. Because a lot of our kids outside of camp, they don't know other kids. Like they don't know other kids who have experienced death of a parent or a death of a, a little brother, a little sister, a big brother, a sister. And so coming to camp and, and getting to experience this week with all of these other kids, hundreds of other kids who get it too, is beyond amazing. It's really magical. I can't say this enough. I love what I do so much. You know, like going into this field, never like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I know that I want to work with kids and I want to work with teens and I want to help them process and work through their grief. And camp was just like, it's fun and I love it. And it has now become my life and I couldn't be more happy. Like it is, it's amazing. But being able to, like as the, the CCO, I am in contact with our caregivers and with our campers on a regular basis. Um, and I love that. Like, I love getting emails from campers or from caregivers saying, oh my gosh, this has been a phenomenal year, or we just got this in the mail. We received this email. Thank you all so much for thinking about us um, and getting little updates throughout the year. It's just, it's, it's wonderful. It's always amazing when we do get those tangible moments of, connection, appreciation, and just knowing that the work that you're doing is making a difference. Cause I think so much of the work around grief around kids and teens and grief is just crossing our fingers and kind of mm-hmm. hoping <laughs> that something's right. happening. You know, you're like, okay, we made the space. They're with other kids. They're telling their story. They have emotional safety and physical safety, mm-hmm. social safety. We hope is to have something's happening. And so to get those little markers, like those emails or those moments uh, as a kid's getting on the bus to say, this has been the best you know, week of my life or whatever it might be. It's, yeah, I really appreciate those too. Yeah. And we, we, you know, encourage our kids, our campers to come back every year so that they're growing together in their grief as they age um, and getting to see them from year to year, right? Of like, you started out as the fourth grader and now you're fifth and now you're going into the 10th grade at this camp. And it's like, wow, like, even though we've witnessed just one week of your life, it's like, we witnessed <laughs> the last six years of your life. Um, and it's just, it's amazing to be a part of it's, it's, yeah, it's beautiful to be a part of. And what a way for experience camps too to be embodying the idea that grief has no timeline. 
that you don't just come exactly. one summer and then you're done. You get to come back as many, many summers as you want and need to. So are all the camps full for listeners who are tuning in? Like, is it something they could still sign up for? And if so, like, how do they get in touch with you? Yeah. So you can get in touch with, in touch with us at experiencecamps.org. Uh, my email address is Bree at experiencecamps.org. Um, we applications are still open for campers. Um, we are on a wait list at some of our locations, but we are still taking applications and we'll put kiddos on a wait list. Um, and then, you know, as we move towards camp, if, um, you know, things happen or things happen with kiddos coming in person and we can move kids off the wait list, we do that as well. We do also offer a virtual program. So it's called Experience, it's called X Camps at Home and this year will be 2021. Um, so we do also have a virtual program um, for campers as well that can't make it in person. And real quickly, the uh, camps are free of charge for campers. And then what are the five locations? So we are in California. We're in Maine. We are in Michigan, Georgia, and Pennsylvania. Great. And listeners, I'll put all the links to experience camps, Bree's email, um, more information in the show notes too. So you can catch it on the website. Well, Bree, I just really appreciate you the work you do, taking time to talk with me today, I imagine as we're heading into late April, early May, that it's real busy for you getting ready for <laughs> camp. So I just appreciate the time that you made today to talk with me. Thank you so much. It's been an honor being here. I really appreciate this chat. And I, I love talking about grief and our, and our kids, the kids that I work with. So I really, really appreciate being here with you today. So listeners out there, thank you for being part of our community, for tuning in, for sharing the show with people that you think it might make a difference for. And especially for those of you who have been reaching out and emailing me and telling me what the show means to you. That's just so gratifying to hear. So please feel free to do that. You can email me at griefoutloud at dougie.org, D-O-U-G-Y dot And if you are new to our show, you can find all of our past episodes at our website, D-O-U-G-Y dot Thanks again for listening, and we hope you'll join us again next time.